This is something I have been wanting to get to for a little while now. I know my laundry list of things to go over and teach you guys is pretty long and I'm always like, yeah, I want to get to this. I want to get to this and I will. But this one is super important and it's actually been requested a couple times recently. So, you know, got bumped to the top. I've been talking about astro weather at the beginning of some of my episodes recently and I realized that some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about or how those things that I'm saying even relate to you at all. So that's kind of what I'm going to be explaining to you today. I also see it happen when I post something on Instagram and I'll be like, tell me your natal placement or tell me what house Mercury is transiting for you right now. And I get all kinds of different answers and then I feel bad for sometimes not answering people because you didn't give me what I asked for. And if you don't follow directions, then I can't give you an answer. But today we're going to help you out. We're going to hopefully clear up any confusion about transits and natal placements. Some of you more experienced babes might already know a lot of what I'm going to say in this episode, so just bear with me. The distinctions I make in this episode will be foundational to a lot of people's learning, and you more experienced babes might even pick up a new thing or two. So just sit tight, bear with me, and if you don't want to listen to it, then don't. But I think there might be some interesting tidbits in here along the way, so you never know. You might learn something new too. When someone says transiting Mercury and natal Mercury, they mean two entirely different things. A transiting planet or placement is one that is happening in real time, like right here, right now. It is happening in this moment or at some point in time it was happening. Generally, we're talking about today or next week. So that's what a transit means. That's what they're talking about. A natal planet or placement is one that already has happened and it happened at the exact time, date, and location of your birth or the birth of someone or something else. Basically, natal placements equal natal chart. The natal placements are all of the placements and planets at the exact time that you were born. So the difference between a natal placement and a transiting one is pretty simple. One is when we were born and one is any time other than when we were born. Both natal placements and transits are important in astrology, but they play vastly different roles. Natal placements help us to understand ourselves, and they tell us what planetary power we've been imbued with, and they help explain our personal mythology as a whole. Different astrologers view natal placements differently. Some believe they hold the keys to our destiny, and some think of them more like a karmic map. I fall somewhere in the middle, I don't deal much with past lives stuff because I'm deeply rooted in the present. There are some really talented astrologers that do a lot of past lives readings and that deal with the north and south nodes in particular with those placements and with that kind of thing. But as you can tell, I'm not super well versed in that. And that's not really how I practice astrology. I'm an astrologer that tends to use a natal chart or a birth chart. Those things mean the same thing, by the way. Natal and birth can be interchanged. So I'm someone who uses a birth chart for things like shadow work or finding the true will and what our strengths and weaknesses are in this lifetime. If the natal placements tell us about ourselves personally, then what are transits good for? Transits tell us the astro weather, the vibes, the current magic floating around in the atmosphere. You know when you feel like a vibe in the world, good or bad, for better or for worse, and there's not really a reason for it? 
but it's definitely a thing. You just wake up and you're like, oh, you know, people are back on their bullshit today or just something. You feel it in the air or for whatever reason, people are being really sweet to you, uncharacteristically sweet. That's astro weather at work. It may not even impact you directly, but it's a feeling all around you and you can see it play out in other people. Knowing our transits can help us navigate the world and understand the world on a larger scale. The one people always see without even realizing they see it are the impacts of a full moon. Even people who aren't into astrology will always make kind of like that little comment where, oh, people are acting crazy, must be a full moon. One of uh, my best friends actually works in a hospital type setting, and they always say that the patients act up a little more when the moon is full. And you hear that a lot from healthcare workers in general, anyone who works in an office setting, places like that, it's always like, oh, the full moon's coming, so everyone's acting all nuts. That's kind of uh, an example of people who aren't even into astrology feeling the vibe without knowing they're feeling the vibe. We can also use transits to look back on past events and see why things may have played out the way they did or look to the future and try to predict events. And I'm going to say this right now. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am not a horary astrologer. I do not use transits to predict events or outcomes. I'm sure there are plenty of beautifully talented astrologers in that type of work, but I am not one of them for many reasons. I like to focus on the present. So that's why I work with natal charts and horoscopes no longer than about a month in the future. For my patron babes, you know that I only do horoscopes for the full moon and for the new astrological season. A new astrological season spans, you know, roughly 30 days. That's about a month. So I don't go further than that. I think anything past looking at a month ahead is just kind of a waste of time. Life is ever-changing and unpredictable, so I don't really like to go too far ahead into the future. I even have people in my DMs, people who are Saturn and Pisces. There's a couple of uh, you babes who have been messaging me and being like, how can I prepare for my Saturn return? And I'm like, baby, you have years, years yet. Saturn and Aquarius just happened to like live and let live, like do your thing, come what may. Saturn will come for you, don't worry. Saturn will come for you, my Saturn and Pisces babes, but you can't predict it and you can't prepare for it, especially like a Saturn transit, man. You cannot prepare for that ahead of time, no matter what you do. You think you've got it all together and then boom, Saturn's coming in in a way you never expected. So don't worry about it. Don't look too far ahead in your transits. That's not my bag. If it is yours, go for it. I'll give you the tools to do it, but I personally will not do it for you. I'm going to reference once again my favorite tattoo. That's my crystal ball that says whatever across it. The future is fleeting. The present moment is now. Other types of astrology that have to do with analyzing transits are electional and mundane. Electional astrology deals with picking an auspicious time to do something like get married or start a business, write a book, things like that. It's choosing a time when the astral weather is going to be to your advantage to harness that planetary power. Mundane astrology is predicting big events like politics or world events. So mundane astrology is focused on the world at large instead of the individual. An example of mundane astrology that I've recently seen is people with like the UFO stuff. You see it a lot with the government when they make big announcements or decisions. 
I don't personally practice or participate in mundane astrology, although I do enjoy watching it because it's always super accurate and like really impressive. I like to follow some mundane astrologers on Twitter and just kind of watch what they say. And they're like, you know, this transit happened today and the government said this. And it's just really interesting to watch. Not on my radar personally, but it is on some astrologers and it's really, really cool to see. This is why we need so many different types of people in astrology, because there's a million different schools of thought and different ways to practice it. And everybody brings their own flavor to the table. So if you're ever thinking of becoming an astrologer in a serious way, but you're like, oh, there's so many people already, don't think like that. We need everyone's opinion and perspective because we all think differently and we all practice a little differently. So yeah, if you want to be an astrologer, be one. Just be a good one. Be a serious one. That's all I ask. While I don't practice mundane astrology, I do dabble in electional astrology a little bit, which that's the one about picking like a really auspicious time to do something but I mainly only do that for my own personal use. That's not something I generally do for other people at this point in time. Now that we've covered what natal and transiting means and how they're used, let's dig into some examples. The best transit example I have at the moment was the most recent Mercury retrograde. You babes know that I do not fear the retrograde, even when maybe I should. I don't heed it as much, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. I actually ended up buying a car during retrograde. Felt right to me for whatever reason. Not the most advisable thing, you know, since Mercury covers transportation, but you can't stop living your life during those weeks. So it was what it was, it is what it is, and here we are. So I bought this car, and everything went great, actually. Nothing went wrong during the process, the car is great, and I've been super happy with it. But remember, Transits don't just impact us, they impact everyone. While the retrograde influence didn't hit me directly, it did impact my experience in the end. After a couple months of having the car, I realized I wasn't getting like a bill for it, like I didn't receive my car payment. It just never came. And I mean, it had been like five months at that point. I told my husband that I got a free car. I was like, babe, I got a free car. Like, this is great. Like, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, why? would I not accept this gift that Jupiter had just rained down on me? But meanwhile, he's panicking and like checking the bank account every day to see what's going on and like calling people. We're we're very different in that respect. Long story short, we had to call the place we got the car from and ask if they basically wanted their money or not because they never cashed the check. They didn't even realize that they made a mistake and we probably actually would have gotten a free car. But honesty is the best policy, my babes. So just remember that. (laughs) That's a very uh, stoic virtue of mine where, yeah, I probably would have somehow in sheer luck gotten a free car because Jupiter things. But at the same time, always be honest. Always uphold your values and be a good person. You can see from that story how the astro weather was at play. Mercury retrograde is a time when you're supposed to be really careful with things like electronics, communication, and transportation. Buying a vehicle may not have been the best idea, but sometimes it's a necessary part of life. The mistake wasn't mine, and nothing bad happened on my end per se, but I was involved with an incident that had retrograde undertones because that was the astro weather at the time. 
If I had the salesperson's birth chart, I would compare where Mercury was transiting for them versus me and what aspects were being made in the chart. Again, clearly Big Daddy Jupiter was looking out for me and trying to give me a free car and the salesperson was having a transit where they weren't being very mindful of crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's and it was going to work out in my favor, but again, honesty is the best policy. Now let's take a look at what a natal Mercury placement would be like. It's going to be vastly different from the story I just told you. Your natal Mercury is going to show you how you communicate in the world. It has nothing to do with other people or events in the world. It only has to do with you and how you express the significations of Mercury depending on the aspects, zodiac sign, and house placement. Let's look at my Mercury as an example. My Mercury is in Sagittarius in the third house. Being that it's in Sagittarius, it's technically in detriment, but clearly that has not stopped me from recording my voice and uploading it for thousands of people to hear every week. (laughs) So let that be a testament to the fact that detriment placements should not deter you from pursuing your dreams, and they don't always have to mean like it's the end of the world. You can overcome them and work around them. Even though my natal Mercury placement is in detriment, it has one aspect that really bolsters it and allows it to shine. My natal moon is in a strong trine with Mercury. This aspect allows me to communicate thoughts and feelings rather easily. It also lends me an alluring and charming communication style. It could also be partly why you all like my voice so much, which that's the, that's the mystery of the world. I'll never figure it out, but maybe I don't want to. Maybe that's part of the allure. Like, I can't figure out why you guys like my voice so much. But I'm grateful. Very grateful. Thank you. And this is actually the only aspect that Mercury is making in my entire chart. There's no other planetary influences other than the moon making that strong harmonic aspect. It allows me to speak my truth eloquently, even with the bluntness of a Sagittarius. I hope those two examples really conveyed how a transiting and a natal placement differ. To sum it up, really just to like package it neatly, I would say that transits are what impact everyone broadly. It's this broad spectrum feeling that depending on what's going on in your chart, you might feel differently than others. That's why some people, like me, don't have as big of a problem with retrograde sometimes depending where it's at. And that's why sometimes other people feel retrograde really hard every single time. And then with the natal placements, all those are, those are your personal aspects. Those are your personal placements. That's your personal mythology. And it speaks to who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. We have one more thing to cover today, and that's something called aspect orbs. There has to be a cutoff for when an aspect is made and when it no longer applies. This is what orbs are used for. So if you've ever been looking at a chart and you see these things called orbs and you're like, what the fuck is an orb? Like, I don't understand. There's degrees, there's orbs, it's confusing. Hopefully this clears it up. Think of orbs simply as the space that an aspect applies to or occupies. The orbs are measured in degrees. There's a different number of allowable degrees for different aspects. And the smaller the number, the tighter the orb, and the stronger the aspect. We'll start with natal aspects. For the major aspects, which are trines, sextiles, conjunctions, squares, and oppositions, we typically see an orb of six degrees, 
if the luminaries are involved, so the sun and the moon, then we make it a bigger orb of uh, anywhere from 8 to 10 degrees, depending on the astrologer you're working with. Some astrologers use super tight orbs at all times, and others are more flexible. I tend to have medium orbs, which should be no surprise with my Libra rising, wanting to keep everything, you know, right in the center. I like to do medium orbs so I can kind of vet out which aspects are super strong and which ones are weak or have a medium influence. I like to kind of include everything at first and then weed things out as I go, but I definitely pay the most attention to the strongest aspects. Now, when it comes to transiting aspects, we aren't as generous with the orbs. I look at transits with an orb of one to two degrees. So a transiting planet needs to be exact or almost exact to be in an aspect with any of your natal planets. My natal Mercury example I gave you is a very strong aspect. My natal moon is within one degree of being in an exact trine with my natal Mercury. And that's why I feel that influence so heavily. The allowable orb would be six degrees because it's a natal chart. It's a natal aspect, but it's within one. So it's a pretty influential aspect. I'll also give an example for a transiting planet. At the time of me recording and writing this podcast, transiting Venus is square my natal Pluto. And that's using an orb of two degrees. It's almost exact, actually. During this transit, I'm going to be feeling like I need to take stock of my personal relationships. It's a period of not allowing others to continue their shitty behavior and just reassess the types of relationships and friendships I allow myself to have. And I can honestly say I've done this recently. I've stopped coddling people and I've just been more to myself lately than anything, in my personal life at least. I've really just been taking stock again of my relationships and uh, which ones are serving me and which ones aren't. That's what happens when Venus is in a square with Pluto. You might blow everything up. Things might not be going so well right now and you're going to need to reassess the directions that you want to take your relationships in. I'm really learning that I can't help everyone even though I want to. That's kind of the lesson I'm taking away from this transit at the moment. Well, my babes, Those are the differences between transits and natal placements. I hope that this cleared things up. There's not much to say about it. It is what it is, you know? You either are watching the transits in the sky happen in real time, or you're looking at your birth chart, and those placements do not move. If you are looking at your birth chart, they are grounded, they are there. If your Venus is... uh, in Scorpio in the second house, it's always going to be in Venus in Scorpio in the second house. But if you're looking at a transit, you know, Venus is going to go all over the place. Venus is going to move. It's going to, that's why it's called a transit. It's transiting. It's moving. So anyway, I hope that cleared this up. I hope that you understand transits versus natal placements a little more. If you want to apply this knowledge in real time, you can always go to my Instagram at moonmatters.astro. In my Instagram posts, I ask people a lot, tell me what house natally is uh, Sagittarius for you, or tell me what house Venus is currently transiting for you. And that'll be a way for you to, you know, go in the comments, tell me, and then I give you a little blurb about something. I tell you, if you give me the information I need, I give you a blurb is what I should say. So test it out, try it, see how it goes, see if I give you an answer. If I don't, Maybe something's a little off, but if I do answer you, you're right on the money. 
All right, my babes, I hope you have a great rest of your week. I will see you all later. Thank you.